Before we have the scripture reading, let's just join together in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for this, uh, for this day and for this uh, weekend and that we may express thanksgiving. And Lord, one of the things that we express thanksgiving for is your word. It is certainly a light unto our path. So as we read from an Old Testament prophet, um, it may not seem kind of relevant at first, but Lord, uh, uh, encourage us. Encourage us to, to examine our ways uh, and to, uh, to continue building your church and in your kingdom. Uh, and so, Father, encourage us also through reading and reflection of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our reading this morning is from the book of Haggai, found in your Pew Bibles on page 1,469. 1,469. We're reading all of chapter 1 and up to verse 10 in chapter 2. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Jerobabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then... Jerobabel, son of Jehotal, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit spirit of Jerobabel, son of Jehazatile. Sorry, got that one not quite right. 
Um, governor of Judah and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Jerobabel, son of Jehat, Sheatal, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Jehozabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all all the nations and the desired of all the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The word of the Lord. Oh, the good old days. Have you ever said that? Kids of your parents or grandparents ever said that? The good old days? Yeah, in many ways, the old days seem to be better. Even today, with, with all sorts of uh, technology and all sorts of improvement, communication, but there's something about about this day, the, the hurrier you, you get, the, the, the less that you really know one another. And so you kind of wistfully look back to the good old days. Maybe you remember when um, you, the kids went out to, to play in the morning and they whistled to them for lunch and they came for lunch and they went out in the afternoon and you didn't have a clue where they really were but they came back for supper and maybe after supper they went out again today. Yeah, when my grandkids are over, there's not a chance that I would say, well, why don't you go to the park and play? The only way I would do that is, well, Grandpa will come along with you. Oh, the good old days. Maybe some of your wives are thinking, oh, the good old days. When my husband would bring me flowers. When he would open the car door for me. When he would whisper sweet nothings in my ear. 
Oh, the good old days. Now if I want flowers, I gotta buy them myself. And so in so many days, so many ways, we think of the good old days. In terms of our job, you know, people who had night shifts. Uh, uh, now if you work at a convenience store or whatever, there's concerns that, that you, you have an escort walking to your cars. Now we, in terms of gas stations, we have to pay before we fill up because, because there's so many people who have just simply uh, filled up and taken off and there have been attendants who have even been run over and some tragically killed. And so things have changed. Times have changed. We think of the good old days. And all, what about of our, in terms of our faith community? In, temp- in terms of our church. We may remember the good old days when, when, when church was a priority. At church attendance was something that, that was of top most importance. Today it seems if there's a sporting event, if there's a, a trip that has to be made, or there's many other, other things that we do, they, they seem to have a priority. Churches were full and there was singing that, that lifted the roof. Things have changed. It's not the same anymore. And there was a time when even though everybody, not everyone, believed in the Lord, confessed in the Lord, yet Jesus was the paragon of virtue. There was something very right about, morally right and upright about the church. But now... Some also because of the sexual crises within the Catholic Church and, and many other, in terms of stances that, that Christians have often taken, were considered not to be a paragon of virtue, but part of the problem. And so, again, times have changed, and we wistfully look back to the good old days. And then, but that begins to ask the question, is the church still relevant? Is, ought we to continue to pay our tithes? Ought we to continue to be involved? Maybe, as some people are saying, the age of the church is gone. It's past. We had to look to another future. Well, are you depressed yet? (laughs) Well, certainly that's not my intention. And certainly when we read from the book of Haggai, hopefully that after this message, we will be even more encouraged to keep building and to keep at, to be strong in the Lord. Five times we are told here in this, in this book to consider your ways, to think, to reflect about things, but then to move forward. We read from the book of Haggai. We know virtually nothing about this particular prophet. We don't know who his parents were or... But we do know very specifically, actually, probably the most specific of any of the prophets, when he was preaching. 
He was preaching in the year 520 B.C. Now, what does that mean? Well, a few dates that you've got to keep in mind. First of all is 586 or 605, 586. That's when the people of Israel were taken into Babylonian exile. And there's reasons for that, and, and of course, in terms of they're, they're always going after the Baals, going after other gods, not considering the, the God of gods. And so finally, God had enough, and he, and he says, I'm going to purge you, I'm going to cleanse you. And so he did it by having them taken into exile in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, as you may recall. But in 539, Babylon fell to the Persians under Darius. Now, King Darius looked with favor onto the Israelites. And so he allowed them to go back to Israel. So in 536, there was a group of people that went back to the land, went back to Israel. There was about 50,000 of them went back. A couple of times you may have read the word, remember the word remnant. These were the remnant. These were not the majority of the people. In the book of Jeremiah, we read that people were to settle down in Babylon. They were to establish their homes. They were to, to, to get going again. And so, you know, if you think about you know, some of you have immigrated maybe about 70 years ago, and now you are fully established here in, in this land. If you were now told to, to pack up and go back to your old country, well, no, you're not quite ready for that. And so most of the people, they stayed put there in Babylon. That's where their lives were. That's where their kids were. That's where their grandkids were. And so they, they stayed put. But there were 50,000 of them that went back to, to Israel. And they were to establish, they were to establish, well, their homes, but they were also to establish the temple, to rebuild the temple. For in the Babylonian exile, one of the one of the consequences, one of the things that happened, of course, was that the temple, the beautiful, beautiful Solomon's temple was utterly destroyed. And God wanted the temple to be rebuilt. And so there the people were. We read part of it also in the book of Ezra. And so they laid the foundation of the temple. But then, well, Darius died and the next uh, um, emperor was, he wasn't as favorable. And then there was opposition from, from the, the people around there, the Samaritans. And so the work kind of stopped. But the work of establishing their lives didn't stop. We read here that they built their paneled homes. They, they started settling down. They got their jobs. And they established their family. They established their new, new lives all the while that the temple was just simply a foundation. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe even as a foundation, they still worshiped there and had some of their sacrifices there. I'm not sure, but you know how it is. Sometimes you get used to kind of a thing, even though it's not finished or it's not very beautiful. I remember... 
living in, in Lethbridge, when we moved into the house, in, it was a bi-level house, and on the side there, do you remember that wallpaper? It had that velvety, and that gold and black velvet. Well, um, we, it was already dated when we moved in, but you get kind of used to it. And so seven years later, when we wanted to sell the house, the real estate, well, your house is very, very dated. So, well, but, so you kind of get used to things like that. Well, anyway, here were the people living with a temple that was not rebuilt. Why? Well, again, they, they got busy doing in their own lives. But the busier they got, the more they realized that, that things weren't really being fulfilled. You know, you read here, putting your money in bags with holes in it. How many, has, how many of us have lived during times of inflation where you think you get some money, but, but it just seems to go away? You work hard, but you don't seem to get anywhere. How many times haven't we heard of people whose lives are so, so, so busy, but if you would ask them, does it bring deep, deep satisfaction, many of them would say, no, not really. And so this is what, this is what we're reading here. In, this is what Haggai is saying. This is, look, folks, consider your ways. Think about it. Think about the situation. Why is that? But there was one other reason why why the temple wasn't being built. We read that in Ezra chapter 3. When the foundations were built, they had, a, they had a party. They had a celebration. But we read there that some of the people, they were rejoicing. But there were others, especially the older people, who were crying. Because they looked at that foundation, they remembered, they remembered the temple of Solomon and they, would, and they thought to themselves, this work project, this temple, is not able to light a candle to the old, to the old one. And so that must have been quite a celebration where half the people were rejoicing and others were crying. I've been in worship services actually when guitars and drums and so forth. And there's many people who are, who are moving in the right direction. This is great. And while there are others who are shedding tears because the majesty of the organ isn't there. And so you have, you have this re- thinking, thinking about the good old days, thinking about that temple. And the new one is just not going to add up. So we have to examine these things. Are we looking at, at numbers? Are we looking at volumes? And we can so, be so easily, easily discouraged. But this is where, where, where the prophet Haggai comes. He's given the assignment to urge the people to carry on. And so in, actually, again, it's, it's August the 29th, uh, 520. 
there, he, he tells them to, to, to get going on the temple. And as a matter of fact, he's probably the most successful prophet that has ever existed because in September, a month later, they start building. And then we read that in 516 B.C., so four years later, the temple was finished. He encouraged the people even though it may not be as glorious as the old temple. Maybe it wasn't like the good old days. But keep, be strong, for the Lord is with you. We need to ask the question yet, why is the temple so very, very important? Well, it's important because this is where God dwells. When God first created the heavens and the earth, God didn't need a temple. God walked and with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so God dwelt here on the earth. But when, when, when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, then God put up that curtain. God went back into, into heaven. And if God would have, in a sense, just simply stayed there and, and had nothing more to do with the earth, we would, uh, we, we would be doomed. We would not... We wouldn't be able to leave the world, even though it may not recognize it, but the world needs God in order, in order to survive. And so God, in his grace, through, through the tabernacle, through, through sacrifices already with, with, with Noah, and, and then through Solomon's temple, this was God's address here on earth. But of course, it wasn't just simply God's address. This was to be like a toehold. This is where God wanted his people to come to sacrifice, to recognize their wrongdoing, to be forgiven, to hear his, his, his commands, to hear the law of God, to go out into the world and to be his ambassadors, to be his people, to be a blessing, as God had said to Abram many years ago. He said that you may be a blessing to all the nations of the world. That's the significance of of the temple. And that's why God so wanted that temple to be rebuilt. And so here in this post-exilic, post, after the exile, Haggai, one of the things that was so very important that needed to be done besides their paneled houses, besides their farms, besides all of that was the temple. But how do we apply that to our lives today? Could this be a sermon if we went on to a building project that we would quote this and say that, that it's important to build a, a beautiful church or beautiful edifice or so? No, I don't think that that's what we ought to do. Because you see, the temple has been fulfilled. Where does God dwell today? God dwells in his son, Jesus Christ. When this temple that is now rebuilt Jesus was the one who stood before this temple. And he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it again, referring to himself. That's where God dwells. And so, in a sense, you can say that the temple represents the mission of God. That we build our lives in Jesus Christ. That we 
And where, and where is the body of Jesus Christ? The body of Jesus Christ is the church. And so that we build on his church, that we build on his kingdom. That's, that's what we are called to do. And many times, many times, we feel like a remnant. We feel like these 50,000 people. Although most of their, their colleagues and we're back in Babylon having their lives established. And so, again, sometimes we seem to be such a, such a, a dwindling m- minority and we get discouraged. Why should we bother? But again, think of Haggai preaching to these people, build, build this temple. Why? Because the glory of this house will outshine the glory of the former home. You look at it in terms of its beautiful gold and silver and, 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 and the, the edifice. And yes, in that comparison, this, this temple doesn't even compare. But here, I am going to be. And the glory of this house will outshine the glory of the other, other. So that's why. That's why we ought to be encouraged to continue building on this church, to continue building our lives in Jesus Christ. And how can we do that? Well, of course, there's a myriad of ways. You know, I'm always encouraged when I visit people in the hospital and sometimes in terminal conditions and how they testify, and how they testify to the Lord's love in their situation. And what a, what a, what a testimony that is to nurses and doctors and, and to fellow patients. It's beautiful. I don't know if you remember um, Brian Stewart. He was a, a um, CBC reporter. He retired not so long ago. And he spoke at a, at a commencement um, not so, a few years ago. And he said, you know, I've been all over the world. But you know who beats me into all these places, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in Timbuktu, whether it's in the strangest, you know who beats me there? It's Christians. Christians are there before me. There to talk about the love of God, to present his word. And so, again, building, whether it be a a circle of friends or whether it be a visit to a neighbor or, or however we can build our lives in Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what the prophet, in a sense, is urging us to do. Don't only look at the past and think, oh, how great it was and, and, and look at us now. No, think in the future. Think of what God is going to do. And what is he going to do? You know, this is just a very short little book, two chapters. But twice, we read it here, and then at the very last verses, God says, and I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, and all the glory of the world is going to come into my kingdom. When does that take place? Well, I think in some time, you know, in... We talk about the Persians. The Persians were, were defeated by the Greeks and the Greeks were defeated by the Romans and then uh, the Romans were, were later on um, defeated. And, you know, many of us lived during the, the time of communism and that just seems to be the way it was. And then 1989, the Berlin Wall broke. And, and so there's, there's this continual shaking. 
sometimes I even wonder, and I don't have any answers to this, but if you, if you think about, about hurricanes and, uh, and, and, and flooding and fires and all of, all of these things, it's like it's all part of that shaking almost. And again, we're, when, when we are reminded, consider your ways. I'm not going to say there's a cause that, that this, is, this is what God is doing, but at least consider our ways because he said there will be another shakedown at the end, at the end of the ages. And that, that which belongs to the church, that which belongs to the kingdom of God, that's what will be established. That's what will stand forever. And so, again, not to be too repetitive, but we can think of the good old days. And we can think that the glory of the church, the glory of these, this age, has gone. And now we'll just kind of yeah, try to carry on, fiddle around. And, but again, think about it. The glory is yet to come in its fullness. And therefore may it be that as long as the Lord tarries or until the Lord calls me or calls you home that you may, that you may continue to build and then experience, experience that glory that you may experience that call home and experience the fulfillment of the new heavens and the new earth. Fulfillment. Brothers Boskers and Nordhoff are experiencing even, even this day. What a hope. What a blessing. What a future to look forward to. Amen. How lovely is your dwelling.